Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and Main Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we have a very special treat. We will be speaking for a third time with David Strom. David has become a great friend of the podcast, not only of the content that we put out, but also a great personal friend. And so David, world-known expert on networking and communications technologies, welcome back, my friend. Sean, it's always a pleasure. Lovely to see your face and chat with you again about passwords. It seems like that that's all I can talk about is passwords. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. We will keep talking about them until they are retired, right? I, I want to go further. I want to I go all ugly on them. I want to kill them off completely. Well, and, and, <laughs> and you're, you're, in, you're in good company. You, myself and certainly other IT and security professionals are, are looking forward to the invitation to that burial, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's long past due, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah, agreed. And so, David, like I said, you are a great friend of the podcast, a great personal friend. For as much as we know about you, feel free to share as much of your background as you'd like for those that may not have had the privilege of hearing your two previous episodes. So I've long been a technology freelancer, written for dozens of vendors and journalism sites for the last decade or so, mostly about InfoSec. When I was on in December, we talked about password list, which is a really crummy description of what these of vendors who have sort of lined up behind that strategy. What we're going to talk about today is really the exciting because it's the first actual implementation of that strategy that no passwords are involved at all. And so that's really, really cool called pass keys. So we'll, we'll explain what that is in a moment. But what, what I thought was interesting was since that December moment in history where we were together, vendors have actually gotten their act together mostly and are working around the same standards to do some good and to try to kill off these bloody passwords once and for all. Well, David, it's, it's so funny that we're, we're talking about passwords. And when you, when you think about what we, what we hear of in the news media as far as this school district or this business or this corporation, there there are passwords out on the dark web, right? There's passwords literally on someone's dadgum keyboard or their monitor, right? And so yeah, it's I'm a I'm a Marvel fan, right? Big superhero fan. And you always lament that particular movie where your favorite superhero dies, right? But that them passing has been for a reason, 
right? Their death has not been in vain. And so the, the, the passing of passwords, no pun intended, is, is something that, I mean, over time, passwords were useful, right? Username, password, get access to useful information like banking or, you know, educational information, transcripts, whatnot. But now we're at a place where, yeah, they definitely need to be done away with. And so I'm excited to be talking to you about this next iteration called passkeys. So let's get to it. So what is a passkey? Yes. It's, it's a thing. It's not like a password. We have to type something in at the login prompt. This is a, it's a cryptographic data point, it's structure, whatever you want to call it. It's a gob of numbers. If you had to type it in, 100% of the time you'd get it wrong because it's, it's long. It's like dozens and dozens of characters long. And if you're familiar with public-private cryptography, which has been around for as long as passwords have been around, this is finally a useful way to do it because your computer, your phone, your tablet generates the passkey automatically. You don't even know what it is. You're never going to know what it is. And at just the right moment, it sees that login dialogue that you're trying to do, and it puts in the information and the, com the computers talk to each other and like magic, you're in. You don't have to memorize anything. You don't have to worry about it being different. You don't have to worry about being a certain length, either too small or too big, or you've already used it in the last three months or whatever. All the stupid rules that we have to deal with, with, with ma managing our password collection out the window. And so why is this coming to be at this point in time? Well, it's the FIDO Alliance, the Fast Identity Online Alliance, which has been toiling in this field for almost a decade, I think. And they finally got Google and Microsoft and Apple to sing out of the same hymnal. Of course, Apple has invented the word passkey, and about three nanoseconds after they used that phrase, Google and Microsoft immediately jumped on that and said, oh, yeah, we've got that too. So good for them. Who cares who owns it? They all have slightly different implementations. Of course, this is the real world. And we can't have one standard that's really a standard, but it is pretty close to a standard. And the, the only tricky part about passkeys is having to, let's say you're on your Chrome browser on Windows and you want to sign into a website that uses passkeys. The passkey that the Windows computer or that the browser generates is different from, say, your iOS or Android phone generates. And so you need something else to sort of glue those things together. That's the one fly in the passkey ointment. And there are several vendors like Knock Knock, who I actually am doing some work for and writing for, are trying to cement that relationship across vendors. But it's a, it's a minor point. The FIDO Alliance has been developing all these standards. They have different names. It's not important what they are, just that they have a collection of standards. They've gotten the three major vendors of endpoint devices and products to agree to their religion. So wonderful days are ahead, hopefully. No, this is, this is, this is wonderful news, especially for... John or for the, 
for the world. Yeah, it's for, yeah, for yeah. normal people. It's for, not you don't have to be an, a cryptographic expert. You don't even have to know what this thing means. You just have to see that it works. And as more and more people implement it, and they are going to implement it because it really is great. And it's much more secure. I mean, for those of us that care about our our login security, we've adopted some form of multi-factor authentication MFA over the years, which usually involves typing in a six-digit number at just the right moment in time. Yes. When it's requested. And of course, it's always like within the last five seconds before the six-digit number changes to another six-digit number, which is extremely annoying. But you don't have to type in anything. The computers talk to each other, and if it's if it really is done correctly, this all happens without your intervention to mess things up. Okay. So you you mentioned the annoyance of that six digit number. What's what's even more annoying, or what adds to that, is if you and your wife have similar cell phone numbers, and one or the other of you forgets the digit to your own phone number. And so you go to reset a password. And and, and this and I'm saying this because it happened recently. Right? So the, yeah. the pass key information or the, the, the MFA information went to my wife's cell phone. So I ended up having to call her and I'm like, babe. Here's the number, that, right? Right, what was that <laughs> six digit number? <laughs> right, or it was it really you or was it a hacker? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so we're so like you said, we're we're heading in the right direction. But David, I want to I want to ask you so that we're as you as you using a phrase that you mentioned earlier, so that we are all singing from the same songbook. How are pass keys different than tokens, right? And so the, okay, the, the so, R so right. So like the MFA tokens from like Secure ID or from Authy or Google Authenticator. Those are all tokens, one-time tokens that are generated for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever it is, right? They're not very, they're not very long because they, they're designed for us to type them in. And if, if you were presented with a 20-digit token, you'd say, yeah, forget it. I'm not going to deal with this. Right. So it's bad enough that you have to remember the six digits. So those tokens are not encrypted. They're not anything special. They don't have any relationship to anything. They're just a random number that pops up every minute. The pass keys are cryptographic structures. They're, so the basics behind public-private key encryption is you have a private key, which let's say your iPhone generates. You have the public key that everybody knows. It doesn't matter if you leak that on the dark web or you tell your best friends in Russia un unintentionally. Nobody can do anything with that public key unless they have the private key to pair it up at that moment in time when you're logging in. So it's a much more secure method. And because the machines generate it, it's a lot harder to guess. Now, in theory, somebody developed a super duper quantum computer, they could probably, when they sit it on, on your network and they sniff your network traffic, yeah, maybe they can probably figure it out. But we're, we're talking a lot of effort just to get that one cryptographic key from you at that one point in time. Now, David, where, where are we? I mean, I know you mentioned the big three, Apple, Google, 
Microsoft, but where where else are we seeing pass keys? Pass keys. Yeah, being adopted. It are we are we seeing it in healthcare, financial services, any early well, adopters? Fun, yeah, there have been a lot of early adopters. And the fun thing about FIDO was it wasn't just the vendors, the infosec vendors that were behind it. It was the major end user people like MasterCard, like General Motors, like Bank of America, like some hospitals, Intuit. I mean, Intuit's a very good example. So if you do your taxes, either with Intuit or the other guys, H&R Block, you, you sign up for an account, you use your account exactly maybe two times in the, in the spring, you file your taxes, and you never talk to them again for the rest of the year. So when the the following year comes along, you probably have forgotten your your account information. And so they get bombarded with all these people saying, yeah, I don't know my password is anymore, what do I do? They started implementing better tools so that you didn't have to remember the password because they didn't want to tie up their customer service people with all this nonsense. So they've been very early. People like that where you have an occasional interaction with a customer and you forget your password perfect example of that as well as as you financial services and healthcare and all those places that have much more sensitive information that you want to protect carefully well david the the one i mean the, the one thing that or one of the things that i'm pulling out of what you just shared is in addition to like i said the the various other entities like intuit MasterCard, General Motors, that are also a part of the FIDO Alliance. The the thing that is ringing in my ears like an alarm is user experience, right? Right, right. And so what, what this ultimately comes down to really is, like you said, with your wonderful Intuit example, right? You, you filed your taxes in April. It's November. You... <laughs> You don't remember. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. You don't right. Know. You exactly. But you no, know, or your or your dog died, and you're now using a new default password. Whatever. The problem is, it's a really hard problem, because let's say I'm running TurboTax, the Intuit software, on my Windows machine. I get a new machine, and it's a Mac, or I want to use the browser-based SaaS service. So it's a completely different collection of, of dialogues to get to that account. And I have to secure all those, those channels to be effective. So in the process of making it easy to use, we've made the whole password thing an unholy mess. Yeah, which, which is actually a nice segue into this next thing that I wanted to ask you. So T-Professionals. Right. We, yeah, we, they're the worst. They're the worst. Well, that's, that's, well, and, and, and that's, and that's what I was going to, and that's really what I was going to get to. Like we, we have been charged with being the guardians of the crown jewels, right? We, we have the keys to the kingdom and yet we have some of the poorest security hygiene. And I mean, maybe it's kind of a, a redundant question, but David, why why are we so horrible with our security hygiene? Why do we have such poor security hygiene? I think because we're just all human and we just figure we can get away with it. 
So we leave back doors in our software program that nobody's going to ever know are there, right? Except the hackers. We use the same default password on everything for 20 years because we're too lazy to remember how to change it. There was a, a, the ID Alliance, which is one of these security alliances, did a survey that found majority of IT security professionals engage in risky security behavior. I mean, majority, we're not even talking about like just a few, more than half. That doesn't help. Also, every enterprise now is online in 17 different ways. They're running their own websites. They've got SaaS tools, you know, they're so connected that it's easy for hackers to penetrate them because they forget about a VPN login that somebody finds on the dark web, or they fish somebody who has admin access because half of the people in the company have admin access because they were a little too lazy to set up risk-based authentication or, or have least privileged stratification of access. So we make it easy for people to come in. How many phishing attempts have you gotten via SMS lately on your phone? Your package was delivered by FedEx. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's annoying. My wife complains bitterly to me. Who, who are these people? Why are they texting me? I know I'm not going to click on it, but it's just, it's crazy. So yeah, we're just human and we make mistakes. And unfortunately, the hacker community has been designed to take advantage of that. The, the, the Verizon every year publishes this data breach report. They do a very good job. They analyze thousands of, of breaches. And the report comes out in May of every year. And this year's report, 80% of the data breaches still begin with some kind of phishing or man-in-the-middle attack. Oh, it's, it, is, it, is, it is alarming. So I won't say who the entity is, but it's, it's an educational institution. So I'll, I'll at least say that. But recently they had, they had a, a, a data breach and they ended up losing about a quarter of a million dollars, most of which wow. they were able to recover, right? But it's crazy. The, the, the interesting thing, and of course, the way my mind works, I'm like, it's great that they were able to recover the majority of the money, but how did, how'd the bad guy get in? Well, he got in the traditional way, right? Through, through someone's email right. and found out who the contractors were working for this particular and proceeded to mimic be, or pretend to be one of the contractors, finance for that organization, cut a check. And soon thereafter, the real contractor said, hey, we haven't been paid for our work. And it was only then that they realized, oh, snap, we've been fished, we've been had, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that is happening on the regular, which, which to me says security awareness training, it's a wonderful thing, right? But it is, it's, and this is just my opinion, but it's almost like when your, your children are small, right? You have to protect them from themselves. Right. right. And you, you don't leave sharp objects 
or heavy items around your toddler, right? You protect them from right. themselves. And it's, and it's, it's, and to me, it's that same line of reasoning for pass keys, right? That you, you take away the excuses, you eliminate the opportunity for people to exercise that right. poor hygiene, right? Right. Well, but this, but your example is a case where they left the the knives and the guns out in, in, in plain view. The kids picked them up. Damage was done. And they're still leaving the knives and guns out. They haven't learned from the mistakes. Have they changed their password hygiene? Have they implemented any MFA? Or have they looked to see who has admin access? Or have they done a sweep with HR to see that all those people that still have email accounts still work for the company in good standing? These are not very difficult things to do. No, they're they're not. But but David, I'm I'm gonna play I'm gonna play devil's advocate, right? And I'm going to tell you, I don't have the budget for it, David Strong. You and your highfalutin technical ways sitting in front of me telling me that I need to implement a pass key strategy as a part of my over as a part of my overall security program. Sir, I am here to tell you. I don't have the budget for it, right? Well, what if I tell you, Sean, what if I tell you it's going to cost you less? Oh, now you have my attention. Yeah, I think ultimately it's going to cost you less. It's certainly going to cost you less if you have another breach. That, but, but forget about that. Forget, just don't even do that return on investment. Just look at what are you shelling out right now to manage your password portfolio? How many times a day do irate users call because they forget or because something happened or whatever? How many people are on your helpline dealing with that nonsense? What if I could, if that all goes away, if I do pass keys right, and if I implement it across, you don't have to do it for everyone initially, just the people that handle the money, for example. Right. So um, David. what are we talking about? 10 people in a company of average size that you for for college or something like that. Right. That. Yeah, you yeah, you're, it's not a lot. No. And 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 see and that's and and that's why I love the back and forth, right? Because what we're trying to do is give folks a a real taste, if you will, of the pushback that is common in meetings where you do have these these wonderful technical resources, new technology, pass keys, right? Haven't heard of that. What's that? It's, is it, is it the same as SASE? How's that different from zero trust architecture, right? It's a, it's a new buzzword. It's right. Right. So, so you're, you're hearing all of these things and, and as human beings, right? It is, it is second nature for us to just bristle, right? Like I threw up the, hey, I don't have the budget for it. It's, it's just, it's, it's commonplace for us to just immediately push back without realizing, as you so eloquently said, it's cost isn't just what I invoice you for, right? The cost of a thing is often far greater than you realize that you, you may end up paying. Right. Because to, because to your point. That that whole what if you have a second data breach and 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 ladies and gentlemen let's let's not think that if someone's been sneaking around in your network and you found them 
Don't think they can't get back in. Or don't think that you got rid of them completely. They may have compromised a dozen machines and you only found 11 of them. Hard. Oh, exactly. And so, David, let's, let's, let's do this. I mean, we're, we're not, we're, we're not alarmists, right? We're not. Right. We're not chicken little. Right. The, the, the sky's not falling. We, what, what we are more than anything, what we are wanting to do is equip, right? That, that's why we do the podcast. That's why we have amazing folks like yourself come on because if you're, if you're, if you're not aware, then you're, you're, you're unaware, right? But, but once you've been made aware, now you can actually do something with the information that you've been given, which is a, a, a good segue into this question. Why should the general public care about pass keys? And will we finally be rid of passwords? I think they should care about them because, uh, like I said, the, the Verizon report, so many attacks begin with phishing or man in the middle of compromises. So I think this is the entry point now for the modern day hack. If they can get easily fish you and get your credentials or figure out a way to get around your credentials, they're going to do it. If it's something that they can value for them, you'll get compromised eventually. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. And even if you're a small organization, people still want to extort money from you. They want to try to get you to sell your data on the dark web and threaten you with that so that you'll pay even more. So I think they should care because everybody has information that's valuable. You have a credit card number. If I get access to that, I can steal your identity. I can file a tax return for a refund and have it sent to my house. That's a very common criminal activity. Oh, that's, that is so well stated. And so, yeah, David, I, I appreciate the, uh, yeah, the, the, the back and forth and the, the, the tango, if you will, with. Always, with always a pleasure to dance with you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, man. Same here. You're a good dance partner for sure. Well, David, let's, let's do this. Let's, 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 let's go lighthearted a little bit here. Okay, sure. Why not? And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, in your opinion, What's the best toy ever made and why? Sean, do you remember the Erector set? Absolutely. Was that around when you were a kid? It was. It was. I'm dating myself, as are you. Do you have time for a short little story of context? Yes, absolutely, sir. We have all the time. So have you ever been to one of the Disney parks? I know in in LA, it's the California Adventure. And I think in Orlando, it's just the regular Disney World. There's yes. a ride that simulates hang glider. So you get in this thing and it takes you up in the air and, it, and they have this huge IMAX screen in front of you and slightly below you. And you look like you're, you feel like you're in a hang glider. I don't I'm know if you've you. ever done that ride. Yes. So the, so the guy who was charged with designing that ride was told by his superiors he had to get it together because they were going to start building it and he had like a week to figure it out and he had he had submitted plans and they were all were terrible they weren't going to work and so he's visiting his relatives one thanksgiving and 
he happens to be rooting around in the attic and he finds an erector set. And he has a brilliant flash and he spends the rest of the, of the weekend not talking to his family, but creating the prototype for that ride out of the erector set. My goodness. So we have the, we have the erector set to thank for the soaring ride at Disney. True oh, story. That that is an amazing story, David. Um, mm -hmm. One one of course that I, I I wouldn't have been able to connect or right. be aware of, and and that is that's the beautiful thing about toys and imagination. I I think we're I'm not well I'm middle aged, so. I, yeah, I, think I don't know when, what that makes me, Sean. Well, I'm sorry. It, it makes you. It makes I'm you, on the other side of the middle. Look, it, <laughs> it makes you just right of middle age. Okay, just right of center, just my right. friend. Just right of center. Yeah, right, right. One lap beyond, right? <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, you're just slightly over to the right. Over but, the hill. I'm over the hill. <laughs> but it's but it's funny, David, when you when you think about what what inspires us, right, or what motivates us. I think we we lose some of that, yeah that 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 childhood zeal, right? Yeah, that, yeah, we definitely um, do, definitely do. I think that's one of the things that's so cool about improv comedy, right? When when you're when you're thrown this bizarre set of ideas, right? You're 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 walking, and then what? You're walking in a rainstorm, and then what? And then helicopter lands in front of you and and it's so it's like your your mind has to start cocking okay what what does that look like mm -hmm. walking in a rainstorm mm -hmm. and then a helicopter lands. but it's it's amazing it's like your mind automatically goes there david right mm -hmm. it it, mm -hmm. it doesn't take much prompting for your mind to say i totally see myself walking in the rain with a helicopter landing 20 feet in front of me, right? And and you mm -hmm. start moving accordingly, right? And so, yeah, that's that, that's a wonderful story, man. And I appreciate you sharing it. No problem. All right. And so, David, this last question, I, I don't, I don't want it to be somber. To me, when I when I think of this question, I think of in 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 more of a heroic sense. But I'll, I'll ask it of you, nonetheless. How would you like to be remembered, David Straw? I'd like to be remembered as being kind to many of my fellow humans as I possibly could. I think in these contentious times where everybody is outraged over so many things, I think we have to remember to just be kind to each other. And not in the Ellen kind of silly way, but in the real sense of the way. So that's my legacy. No, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great legacy to have, to be remembered as a kind person. Yeah. That, that is, I think that's as, that's as good as we can get, right? Right. To, to be remembered as one who affected people in a way where they're like, man, what? David, was such a good guy. And he was always kind and pleasant to be around. When I, when I first started in technology journalism, I really was trying to help people get 
better at using the technology and the vendors better at making the technology so that we could just get on with our lives. That was a real big motivation for me. Yeah. Well, well, David, again, you are a, a good friend, you know, both personally and obviously professionally. So, and thank you for coming on as you all are, are welcome to anytime. The mic's open. So I, I can't wait to have you on for a fourth time. Hopefully I'll talk about something other than password. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there's, there's, there's always something to talk about, man. And I was a good, I was a good person to talk to, but David, before we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? So my blog is at strom.com, S-T-R-O-M.com. Twitter handle is dstrom. And you can see me, I write frequently for Avast's blog. And I've started to do some work for Knock Knock, as I mentioned, the Fido authenticator vendor. And I'm sure I've done work for CSO Online and Network Oral.com and a few other journalistic properties over the years. So yeah, if you if you if you look in the show notes or if you Google David Strom, he's easy to find. And as I mentioned, beyond being a, a great friend, he's also a great read and a, a great follow. Tech, technology expert par excellence. So oh, you're so sweet, Sean. Thank you. Oh hey. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, hey, David, again, thank you so much for your friendship, for being a good egg, and for being on. So until next time. Thank you, Sean. You're all right, Sean. Thank you too. Take care. All right. And so Tech and Main Presents family, as always, we appreciate you greatly for listening. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends, and thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.